Glory to God. Are you glad to be in church tonight? I, I can just be honest with you. I am going to finish tonight uh, uh, in case you uh, were, were wondering. I do have a lot of stuff and I'm going to try to get to it all. Um, but, you know, there's something that uh, was both settled in me last week. Um, and, uh, you know, get knowledge. You know, as we go through things, we always get more knowledge of things. And as we, as we learn, as we go and grow and all those things. And so I, I, I believe that uh, certainly that, that we have uh, increased in knowledge and things and understanding of how things work. But, you know, um, last week I had realized I was like, man, we, we gave a lot of a, a lot of a lot of scriptures, a lot of knowledge, a lot of a lot of information. Amen. And, you know, while that wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily try to do that on a Sunday morning, Tuesday nights are a little bit different. But one of the things is, you know, and I, and I believe the Lord was showing me the, this week, you know, sometimes if you've ever been in a, a, a college classroom, you know, sometimes you'll sit in a college classroom and they'll just give you a whole bunch of information. They'll pour it out. And your job is to take that and do something with it. Yeah. Amen. And so we come on Tuesday nights because we want deeper things of the spirit. We want to know more things about God. And that's that's part of what we're uh, that God requires from us as well. That's not a bad learning model. In fact, we know that there's a lot of good stuff. So taking notes is always a good thing. But also, if you have to go back and listen to stuff, um, you know, that that's important. Um, and, and so uh, we're going to have another one of those probably this week where there's a lot of stuff, um, you know. And, and as as always, I always leave this out there and I really want to get this in people. So you understand if we're going you know and we go over the amount of time that we typically do or the amount of time that you can stay and you feel like you just need to go nobody's going to judge you we've already cleared that up we made sure that everyone knows that uh this is a, a judgment-free zone and as far as those things go if you have to leave then please just just exit quietly and uh you know there, there's nothing wrong with that but uh you know like last week after i, I preached an extra long message I, I felt that it was necessary to ask some questions or give space for some questions and I'm glad that I did and you know I'll never apologize for that because I think that that's a place that we can uh, that we can always grow by um, but here's the thing. If again, if you have to leave, if you're like, man, I just uh, don't get mad at the, you know, somebody for asking questions. Just, right. just if you, if you have to leave, leave. You know, and and, and everybody will, uh, uh, you know, nobody's going to judge you for that. And it, I, I really want to encourage us, especially as as we move into these new things, these new, newer things that it seems like we're getting into, uh, in the sense that sometimes services are longer, sometimes they're going to change, sometimes we're going to do uh, question and answer. However, the Lord leads, and however that day happens to be you know I, I believe that there will be a time where where church will be going on probably all the time and people will filter in and people will filter out doesn't mean everybody will be there all at the same time but I believe that there will be there'll probably be a time where as we get closer to the Lord's coming that we'll see that that's my personal belief I don't necessarily have scripture at least not on the top of my head so you can take that uh, for what you will but that's something I just believe uh, will happen amen Praise the Lord. Well, today, tonight's message is called Unpacking 1 Corinthians 14. What's that? Tongues business and other spiritual stuff. Part two. Glory to God. And I purposely gave you a real long, uh, a, a real long title just because it's a, it's a real deep subject. Amen. Now, I want to explain a few things before we get into tonight's message. And tonight's message is going to be getting into a lot of the same things we got into last week. It's just going to be taking it further after we recap. Amen. But uh, uh, one of the reasons, and, and I, I didn't fully, one of the reasons I hesitated on doing these messages and why it took me a while to get into them was because I didn't really, I didn't really have the full clear 
clear direction of where to go. I knew kind of where I had to go. I knew the subject matter I had to get into. But I was hesitant because there's a lot to this subject matter. So for the things that I'm showing you in these last two weeks, you have to understand there's a lot more scripturally about them. Um, And then there's the other aspect of it. There's the experiential part of it, which is a huge part of it. Now our faith, there is a huge part of our faith that is experiential and you can't uh, you can't disconnect. Is that a right word? Or it works. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, that you're going to experience things, and, and and that's another part of our faith. And and thank God for it. There's a lot of things we can learn in that, and there's things we can discuss. But that uh, I hesitated because I didn't fully have uh, the clearest direction on where I was going to end up. And even last week, I didn't know where I was going to end up this week. But then this week, as I was finishing uh, the touches on this message. You know, I really saw what the purpose of this was. And uh, so it's not for everything. It doesn't give us everything about tongues. But this is a good place for us to get into and start learning things and start understanding some things. Amen? So uh, with, with that, I want you to, to also understand a few things about what we're talking about last week and here tonight. That the purpose of the study is not to manifest certain spiritual experiences. That's not, what we're, that's not why we're doing this. It's not to change your experiences that you've had. It's not to promote a a, a specific experience, but it's also not to deny any experience. That's not the purpose of these messages. The purpose of these messages is to look, specifically, is to look at what the Bible says about a particular subject, Praise the Lord, and, and, and then go from there. So we have to understand that there's the truth that's preached and, and the tr- you know, doctrine that's preached, and doctrine has to be founded on the Word. What do I mean by that? Anything that we teach, as, as a, 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 like something that we teach that we're going to go to over and over and over again, uh, if we're going to teach it as a doctrine, something that we, we can say, this is from God, we can know this without a shadow of a doubt, it's written in his word, that scholars can debate it, all these things, they have to be founded in scripture. That does not mean there's not things that we can't debate or get into that have nothing to, or not, nothing to do with Scripture, but aren't founded specifically in chapter and verse. There's lots of those things as well. But primarily, a pastor's job is going to be feeding the sheep. And one of the things that the, the Bible tells a pastor to do un, uh, overwhelmingly is to feed with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is something that you can point to in Scripture and say, this is what the Bible says. Praise the Lord. And, and, and uh, not my version of what it says, this is what the Bible says. Amen? And so that's how we're getting into this place where we've been, uh, we've been uh, the last few weeks. Amen? Uh, but also, I want you to understand something. Um, and this is another end of this subject matter, specifically talking about tongues. And, and we may weave in some spiritual things, but mostly we're talking about tongues, the manifestation of tongues uh, and stuff like that. But the... Uh, to say this, uh, that this uh, subject matter is not important is foolish, absolutely foolish, because the Bible does have quite a little to say about it. Now, when I say it has quite a little to say about it, it doesn't necessarily have everything you need to know about it to say about it, but it's got quite a little to say about it. And as a result of having quite a little to say about it, we need to give it, it's, uh, we need to give it attention. Yeah. 
Uh, there's some people that just want to ignore it and skip past it, but I don't think you can do that. And if you're, if you're a serious student of the Word, I don't understand how you can read through a, a book like 1 Corinthians and not have serious questions. I don't know how you could read through the book of Acts and not have serious questions. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so uh, we don't want to just throw that out. But now uh, we're going to get into this, and I want to get into this because I don't know how long it's going to take or where it's going to go, but we're just going to see here. Um, but uh, to, to understand, you know, basically last week we spent most of our time in Acts and 1 Corinthians. And uh, there's a reason for that. And, and I actually have found this, even in, in more study, I found this more so that what was going on in 1 Corinthians 14 is actually connected very closely with Acts. And we, and, and we see this. But we, 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 I, want to, I want to set some things up about 1 Corinthians and Acts a little bit before we go further into this. And that, that is, number one, that 1 Corinthians is a result of the Acts of the Apostles. So now the book of Acts is commonly called, in my Bible, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. That's where Acts comes from. Uh, it's the things, that they, the things that they were doing, or some of the things that they were doing. But we have to understand that the book of Acts was not a specific, just one, uh, one-off letter in the sense of it was just, you know, a lot, well, it was a letter, but it wasn't like, uh, okay, one letter sent to the Corinthians at a specific time about, the cer about certain things. That's the way 1 Corinthians was. The book of Acts actually took place after, over uh, actually decades and so we, we need to understand that, that the, those events that happened um, started, uh, they, they took, took place over a long period, uh, uh, quite a, a long period of time. Um, but 1 Corinthians is a result of the Acts of the Apostles. So the, book, the, 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 book of first, the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians, they came at a specific time period as a result of the things that were happening in Acts. Amen. Um, so we uh, understand this, that all the letters to the churches are the same way. When you look at uh, the, 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 the uh, letter to the Philippians, we can see that. I think it's, I think it's in uh, Acts 18. I'd have to go back and, and look again, maybe 17, 18, somewhere in there. You know, the, the Ephesians and, and stuff like that. You see where Paul and the others were on these journeys and, and into these different, uh, these different cities and areas. And that's where we get these things. Amen. Acts 1 and 2, when we, we read about Acts 1 and 2, and this is going to be important for us uh, in understanding what we're getting into tonight. But that was written, they estimate that that was written about 30 A.D. So th uh, uh, 30 A.D. was approximately when Acts 1 and 2 was written. Amen. 1 Corinthians was written approximately 53 to 55 A.D. So you see that there's about a 25 year, roughly a 25 year gap in that. That's a, that's a pretty big period of time. Yeah, that's Mark. That's, that's Mark's existence, praise the Lord. So that's a, that's a, there's a lot that's happened in, in, in those, those years. And so, so you see this, uh, and we need to understand that. I think it's important for us to understand that because sometimes, you know, we read the Bible and we just kind of zip through it, or at least I always did, and, and, I, and, and you don't always think about these things in timelines and stuff like that, you know, where, where, where these things ha uh, actually happen. Now, um, in, I, did, I, did, I actually wrote it in my Bible. I'm going to just turn there real quick. Um, uh, when Paul went to Corinth, okay, so Paul went to Corinth approximately, uh, it's in, in Acts 19, he, uh, he approximately was in Corinth, uh, no, that's, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 18, Paul was in Corinth, and that was approximately 51 A.D., 
And so he was there uh, uh, first, approximately 51 AD, and then this letter came a few years later, anywhere from two to, to four years later, approximately. And so, so we, uh, we have to understand that. So the, the letter was, uh, was kind of reaching back out to these people that he had already ministered to. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, now, this is something I want to share with you, and, and, and this I might, uh, if you listen to other people, I don't really know what other people are saying about all this stuff because I didn't really particularly get into other people's uh, sermons and stuff like that to search this out. I just, I studied the Word. I studied some, you know, commentary. I studied commentaries. There's just other things I've been learning over the past, uh, uh, especially the past few years. Um, but uh, I, I, I firmly believe this, and this is, this is my opinion. I think that it's, I, I think that it that holds some solid ground, but uh, you know, I, I don't know as though I can necessarily just back that up. So I'm just putting that out there as I say this. But I personally do not believe that Acts 1 and 2 were meant to be doctrine on how or what as much as it is an account of what happened. Um, I don't believe it's as much about being doctrine on how or what as much as it is about what happened. I think Acts 1 and 2 are really relaying to us things that happened. Now, um, there's a reason I say that because there, there's, there's a really interesting debate between uh, mostly like Pentecostals, uh, we'll say this, people who are continue, uh, continuationists and cessationists. Continuationists are people uh, like us that believe the gifts of the Spirit keep going, that, uh, that they didn't fade away with the first church, that uh, you know the, the, the ministry offices are still in effect and all of those things. A cessationist believes that, uh, that they were here until the, um, until the Word was founded and established and then after the church was established that those things faded off into history. Okay, and there's people, they, they, they come up, they have great debates over these things. And one of the areas of argument is always Acts 1 and 2. And this is what I find is interesting. And just, so just follow me here. And this, this is why I offer this. Um, uh, people that are trying to, uh, that, that are usually pro-continuation of the gifts, they go to Acts 1 and 2 and they say, see, look, this is what it's supposed to look like. And then uh, the, the people who don't say, no, they're wrong because this is what it looked like. And they go back and forth and they argue these things. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is what it did look like. And the, 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 the truth of the matter is both sides, when they're arguing those points, are missing the point of Acts 1 and 2. They're missing what was actually being said there. They're, they're missing what, what was being portrayed to us. And so you, what you find in that is this. There may be some truths on both sides, but you see a lot of places where it's like something just doesn't line up there. Now, I'm just going to share this because this, is, this has kind of been an MO for me. I've learned this over the years. But when I've, ha when I've had something taught to me or preached to me or whatever over the years, I've been in many different churches over the years, heard a lot of different things. But, so when I say the things I've been taught, I don't just mean the family churches or whatever. I'm just talking about things I remember from the past. Actually, for the most part, there's very few messages that I have believed that I can pin on just one minister because I just don't remember things like that. I don't remember who preached what and stuff like that. So I, I'm giving, I'm really giving to you, I'm trying to give this to you unbiased, amen? And I believe that the Lord is helping me with that. 
But, um, you, you know, uh, uh, people, are, they, 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 they teach different things. They have different opinions of it. And, and I think that they miss the point. Where was I going just before that? Somebody remind me. Maybe I'll, I'll remind myself. Yes. Yeah, so they're arguing back and forth about these things. And, you know, one will say, well, you know, what well, tongues look like this. But they were just getting one aspect of what tongues look like. And I'll say this to the, anyone who is a cessationist that believes the gifts have passed away, that when they say, look, at, uh, you know, according to Acts 1 and 2, that, uh, you know, tongues was a known language. And, and that's part of it, but that's only part of part of it. You know what I mean? And, and, and then others say, well, it was all this, that, you know, the, the, that the outpouring of the Spirit was, was praying in tongues and the ability to speak in tongues. I just don't believe that is the, tr the, the, the truth either. I, I think there's aspects of both of these things in there and we're going to try to, to, to get some of that cleared up here in a minute. Amen? So this is when people are trying to debate pro and con, um, they, they're usually missing the point. I know I was going to say. Whenever I get to a place, my MO is I've been learning things over the years. Whenever I get to the place where something just doesn't sit completely well with me. And I don't even mean that it's like that the person's preaching heresy or anything like that. Because, you know, I, I don't know any preachers. Um, I, out of all the, I'll just say this. I don't know any preachers well that are not well-meaning preachers, meaning they want people to know the truth. They study the word. They're after God. This is the most of the people that I run with that I know. That's what I know about them. I'm not saying always agree with them. I don't need to always agree with them. And I'm talking about anybody, peers, uh, elders, uh, unders. It doesn't matter. You know, you know I, all the, just straight across the board, I believe everybody that I know uh, to the, the, the most that I know them are well-meaning people and they want to preach the right thing. But sometimes, you know, we won't have the full truth of something or we just haven't studied it out and in that what we find is sometimes there leaves little things hanging and I've found that if, if a doctrine is hanging or, or, or there's something that was said that's hanging there's usually a reason for that and so when, sometimes I, I've, I've been presented before with a scripture and it says it's somebody said well the scripture means this this or this and I'm just like okay, I can kind of see that, but there's some things about that that I just, I just don't see that. You know, like as I look at the scripture and I study it out or whatever, or read it in my version versus your version, you know, whatever it could be, I, you know, that's just something that sometimes comes up and you, and you think, well, why is that? And I think a lot of times it's because just some people haven't got into it and dug into it as much. And I, I've brought things up to... Uh, uh, I brought things up to elders before that are, 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 are commonly accepted and known things about Scripture that they don't know. And I've brought other things up to other elders before, and, and they're like, man, I've never, I've never heard that used that way. And I think that's interesting that we can have this, this, this huge body of Christ and have all this information. And the truth of the matter is this. You ask me all the stuff that I'm going to preach on a month from now, here tonight, and I'm, I'm not going to just be able to pull it right back up because the Bible is so vast. There's so much information. To retain it all is near impossibility. And so uh, I, I just think we have to have some leeway as we're doing this thing with that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Start in Acts 1. <clears throat> now Acts, in case you didn't know, Acts was written by Luke. Uh, Luke was uh, not with Jesus. Luke came after Jesus. Amen. Uh, but Acts, uh, we're going to start one, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. 
And it says here, gathering them together, he commanded them uh, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And down to verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, these are, um, these are scriptures that are hot debated, and, and, and people use them to prove their points on both sides of the aisle. But um, one of the things, uh, you know, and actually it, it's interesting because last week when I was just talking with, with, with Reverend Josh, uh, uh, he brought up a scripture, um, and we'll be, we're going we're gonna to see it here in a minute. He brought up a scripture that was very interesting, and it was uh, one of those things that make you go, hmm, you know, it makes you think about it. But as I studied it out, um, I really saw, the, I, I really saw uh, what was going on here. See, a lot of people talk about this, you know, they talk about the difference of the baptism of the Holy Spirit versus the filling of the Holy Spirit versus uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that there's differences according to the word. Now, the, the scripture that I'm going to pull up, we're going to stay there in Acts, but I just want you to pull up uh, John 20, 22. Now, this is after Jesus had died uh, on the cross, and now he's appearing to his, uh, his, his disciples. And it says here, uh, this is before he went, went to heaven, he said, uh, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, one of the commonly debated things, one thing that a lot of people, especially people that don't believe in tongues, don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as being a separate thing, one of the things that they, they commonly reference is, is the idea that, that, that you receive the Holy Spirit on the new birth. And a lot of things that I was taught was that, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit on the new birth, but then you, there's a subsequent uh, 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 experience where you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that there's truth to that. What Jesus was doing here is they were receiving the Holy Spirit. This is where Jesus had paid the price for the sins so that now the Holy Spirit could come upon humanity. Amen? Yeah. Now, uh, oh, somebody's calling me. Apparently they didn't know that we have church tonight. Uh, but uh, uh, so, you know, they, they didn't realize that, uh, uh, that, that the, Holy, or the, the Holy Spirit has come upon humanity. That hadn't happened yet. Until this point, people didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now at conversion, everybody, uh, this, this was the, I, I, you could say the entrance of that. But what we see over there in Acts, and you can go ahead and go back there, is a really interesting thing because Jesus talks about being baptized. Amen. Um, and and uh, the, the, the word baptize, uh, it means something important. Did I write it down? Yeah, baptism, uh, it, it, it literally means to immerse, to submerge, dip repeatedly, and I think that's a key word, to overwhelm. And an example that uh, a commentary that I saw used was pickling. You're pickled, when something is pickled. You know, uh, there, there's a difference between being dipped, and, and there, there is actually uh, different uh, terms used in the Greek, but there is a difference between being dipped and being saturated. Yeah. There, there's a difference between having something and being full of something. Amen? Amen? And so when we think about these things, we need to keep these things uh, in context. Now, to back up 
what the things that I'm telling you right now, I want you to think about, I, I, I almost went to a bunch more scriptures, but then I just have so many scriptures, we couldn't get to it, and I knew I wouldn't finish. Um, but we can understand this in the life of Jesus, if we think about the life of Jesus. Was Jesus God in the flesh? Yes. yes. You better say yes, because he was. Amen. If you don't know that, well, he was. Uh, Jesus was God in the flesh. Nobody debates that. Uh, Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, was, was with him and was in him from birth. The Holy Spirit was there. He was the first to have the Holy Spirit there, but he, 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 Jesus had the Holy Spirit in him and with him from birth. But Jesus was not empowered by the Holy Spirit from birth. And that the Bible is very clear about. We see, uh, we see uh, scriptures like, I'm going to turn there. Um, uh, I don't think I was going to turn there, but like Acts 10.38, where it says how God anointed Jesus uh, of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So we see that God anointed Jesus. We see when Jesus was being baptized that the Holy Spirit de descended on him. And that was the entrance into Jesus entering into the ministry. Because up until then, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, raising dead people and he wasn't opening blind eyes and wasn't doing those types of things. Right. And so uh, so so we see that there there is a difference and there's a lot of other scriptures as well. But Jesus was given the Holy. Jesus had the Holy Spirit from birth, but he wasn't empowered by the Holy Spirit until a certain point. Now, when we go over there to Acts uh, where we were, Acts one, four, uh, four and five, and then down to verse eight, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, this, this other filling was something else that was coming. This was, a, this was the baptism. This was the saturation. This was the, 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 the filling that, that we often hear about. Amen? Praise the Lord. So Jesus was anointed to, and empowered to minister. Uh, uh, but he also, you know, there was time he had to seek, he had to seek the Lord. He had to spend time with the Lord. And that was an interesting lifestyle that, that, that we can also see that if Jesus had just gone about, you know, as, as whatever nonchalant about everything, I don't think he would have had the power. Um, so the question then is, is what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it, is it this one-time thing? Did it ha does it happen just here at Pentecost and, and that's it and, and it never happens again? Or is it this, this repeated thing? I believe that there is enough scripture, although we're not going to go into all of it, but there's enough scripture to back up the idea that, the, that, that, that there are baptisms, so to speak. And I'm not preaching this as doctrine, but I'm just saying that there are, there are times the idea of being immersed and re-immersed and, and being filled with the Spirit, those ideas come from scripture. We can, we can back that up. In fact, you know, one of my, one of my favorite uh, top scriptures that I love to go to, Ephesians Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled or, be con or continue to be filled or be being filled, as some translations even say, uh, with the Holy Spirit not, or, or by the Holy Spirit. And so what we understand is, is that the Holy Spirit, once he's there, he's already there. But in, in yielding to him and in, in living a life where we're hungering and thirsting for those deeper things of God, there absolutely is scripture that backs up this idea that we can be filled up and that we can be filled up and that we can be filled up again. In fact, we see this throughout Acts. We see people getting filled and filled and filled and filled. But remember, 
Acts, as I said last week, and I still believe this, Acts 1 through 10 is a transitional period. Again, this is a transitional thing, what we see going on here. Uh, the day of Pentecost was never going to happen again. The day of Pentecost, I mean, there are, you know, Pentecost meant 50 and it, it was a certain day, a certain celebration. But this, what happened this day, this type of filling, this way, this was a one-off thing. This wasn't, I'm not saying God couldn't have done it again, that nobody ever had some kind of crazy experience with rushing mighty wind and all of those things and tongues of uh, flames of fire sitting on each person's head. You know, I'm not saying that never happened again. I doubt that it did. I, I don't know that it did. I'm not going to say that it didn't because I wasn't there at all different times through history. But the reason that I bring those things up is because you need to understand that this was a one-off thing. And if this was a one-off thing, if this was a one-off thing, then that tells us that it doesn't necessarily have to happen this way every time. And when I say one-off things, I, I think of things like this in the life of Jesus. Did Jesus do miracles? Absolutely. Did he tell his apostles and his disciples that you would do miracles? Absolutely. Does that continue on to us? I believe that it does. Amen? But listen, we don't hear about people having a walking on water ministry. We don't hear about people that have even done that. So do we look at that and say, well, see, it must have faded away because that didn't happen. No, certainly, if God needed you to walk on water and wanted to empower you to do so, he could. And he would if there was reason for him to do so. But we have to understand this. And I, I wanted to say this at the onset, and I, I forgot to. We have to keep in mind, the more that I've studied the word, this, I, I find this even more so and deeper, and this is a really interesting thing. The things that were done were done with purpose. Yeah. Jesus didn't just randomly walk on water. He didn't just randomly uh, open blind eyes. He was answering scripture. When he was dealing with, even when you get into little, there's these little nuances in the scriptures. I even heard one today. Well, my wife, and my wife brought one to me the other day that was quite interesting. There's four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of them has very, they sound a little, they're different, written by different authors, but they're also really written to different people. And I think you can see that, you know, Matthew, they say, was written to the Jews. And uh, uh, Mark was written to the Romans. And, and you can see how they were written to these people because they were dealing with certain things and leaving other things out. Uh, when you look at Luke, Luke was written to the uh, Gentiles, right? And John, I believe, was written to like everybody. And so it was like this, you know, it was kind of like a little bit of everything. Uh, one of the things I, I, I saw uh, in my studies was... Um, Praise the Lord, how, uh, you know, there was a hearkening back to Noah's time in, in, in the book of Acts with the conversion of certain people because he took the same tribes that, uh, of Noah's son. He ended up, uh, God ended up saving people that were in those same tribes, specifically in the book of Acts. And so it wasn't just uh, that it was, uh, uh, you know, that these random things happened to these random people, but that God was actually doing something. And we see that all throughout. Actually, when you, if you study uh, what Paul did, uh, the things that Paul did were, were quite amazing. But if you study his letters in depth, one of the things that you learn about uh, the Apostle Paul and how he wrote the letters was he was referring to specific things out of the law or out of the Old Testament. And he was answering certain certain things according. So especially when you take the book of Romans, you see a lot of this, okay? 
And so, uh, so we see this, that God is this vast God that he sees all these intricacies and he has all these intricacies woven into his word. And that's why, I mean, when, I, when I've talked about before in service, that, that there's these things in the word that if people would truly, under, if they'd start really studying the word, there's things they would learn about the word that would just blow their mind. That you would never question uh, anymore because you see how beautifully written it was, even to the way that it brings it about, the people that he dealt with and how he dealt with each person, you know. And, and it's amazing the, the, the story and how it continually flows throughout the scripture. It's, beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, okay, so we talked about what baptism was a little bit, but I want to say this tongues is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it is a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When tongues is, when it happens, I'm not saying that everything that people say is tongues is tongues. I think there's probably, uh, there's to probably times where it's the flesh. But when tongues is of God, when it's real, it, is, uh, it does come out of that filling of the Holy Spirit, that baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not define tongues. And we have to understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is much greater than tongues. Right. Tongues is a, is a useful tool. It's a helpful tool. It's something that is very useful in the life of the believer. And I happen to believe that tongues is for every believer. I don't believe that there is, and we'll get into that maybe a little bit later, but I believe that, that, that it's not just uh, for, you know, a certain gifted few, but I believe that it's, and there is a difference. There is a difference between, uh, uh, there's, there's a prayer language of speaking in tongues that is speaking to God and not man. And then there is a ministry office of speaking of tongues that comes with interpretation. And when there's a, even when there's that, there's, there's, sometimes there's different kinds of interpretation. Sometimes the interpretation is in the ears of the hearer. And so even, or in the, in the heart or the mind or the spirit of the healer or hearer. So in other words, you're hearing tongues, but you, you understand what they are. And even though that it's coming out as some other sound out of a person. That's what happened at the day of Pentecost, by the way. There's this other form of tongues, though, that is uh, of, a form of tongues where, where somebody speaks in a, in a known language that they didn't previously know. And thus the people that are there because they, uh, because they are, um, you know, because they, they, they are part of that nation or that language, they can understand it because it's already interpreted. But this is what we understand about tongues is that, well, it, in the New Testament, yeah, we'll get there later. Okay, praise the Lord. And so we, we, we see uh, these things, but the uh, tongues is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it is a result of it, amen? Uh, and, and I don't, I, I just can't believe that there would be so much about it if it wasn't important. If tongues didn't matter for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the body of Christ, it wouldn't have been so emphasized. Now, like, listen, does that mean if you can't be a good Christian if you don't speak in tongues? I think the idea that you can't be a good Christian if you don't speak in tongues is foolish, and I don't think that that's even remotely founded in Scripture. Um, but can you be less effective if you don't? I believe that that's true. I believe that the level of your effectiveness, not because of tongues, but because of how we yield to the Spirit matters. And if this, if this is a manifestation of the Spirit, then it is something that, that we should desire. Amen? 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Praise the Lord. I'm just looking at the time. I thought I was like only about 10 minutes into this. So uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go ahead and go there. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 14. Praise the Lord. Now, we kind of left off last week down here. And I'm not going to recap too much. I'll just touch on it. If you want the recap, just go back and listen to last week's. Um, verse 20, because we're unpacking 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. That phrase for this section especially is incredibly important. Yeah. <clears throat> in your understanding, in your thinking, we need to be mature. We need to be people that are open to truth. Amen? Amen? In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and of lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. This is one of those scriptures where I told you earlier that I always, I, I never quite understood it until just recently. Uh, I never understood it until I studied it out. When I studied it out, I realized that, this, that these set of scriptures were hearkening back to Isaiah. Amen. Uh, Isaiah 28, 11 specifically, and talking about how these are a sign for unbelievers. Uh, one of the purposes of tongues, but we talked about that last week. I'm not going to get into that again. Um, but uh, this, this is where we want to get to here. Look at this. It says, Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are mad? Uh, this is a, uh, this is a scripture that ties us right back to the day of Pentecost. We're going to see that in a few minutes, uh, maybe even closer than that. But uh, before we go see that, I want to talk about, the, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues. So obviously, this is not just a uh, uh, necessarily, uh, this is something that is possible in an entire church, right? But it says the ungifted men or unbelievers come in. Now, this, this is interesting because ungifted, sometimes, you know, and I've heard this over the years, the people that kind of debate tongues, they say, well, you know, even I might even believe in tongues. I believe that it's possible, but I'm just not gifted that way. And this is a misunderstanding of how the word gifted is being used here. Actually, gifted is talked about many times throughout 1 Corinthians 14. And what it's talking about is literally unversed in spiritual things. And so somebody who is gifted, as it's talking about this many times through here, it's referring to those who are unversed in spiritual things. Does this make sense in the context of the scriptures we're talking about? Well, we just read up there, brethren, do not be children in your thinking, right? Uh, but, be, uh, but be mature, right? And so we want to be mature in our thinking, and that's exactly what in, in the ungifted is not somebody who just, they're just not gifted with it. It's somebody who hasn't learned about the gifting yet. It's kind of the same. We see this in, in the book of Acts. We see uh, uh, come, uh, come around believers. We see the, uh, you know, like uh, we, we see um, uh, the, the, like the Apostle Paul coming to a group of believers and seeing that they are, that they don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't know anything about yielding to the Holy Spirit. Well, if you don't know anything about that, how are you going to know what to do? 
Now, you know, the, and the thing is, and it doesn't, it shouldn't be so crazy to us because we understand this. When you came to church, you for the first time, you surely thought things that you know differently now. And that's because what church is, is church is education spiritually for us. And if we will grow in the things spiritually, we're going to learn a lot more than what we had before. Amen? Spiritual gifting here is not necessarily something you just haven't got. Amen? And, and to, refer, to, to reference another scripture, I want to reference uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, which says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Uh, but especially that you may prophesy. So we understand that the importance that, that this letter is important, is, it's important to desire spiritual gifts. We should desire to grow spiritually. Yeah. Um, but if we're going to put limitations on that because of what we won't receive, right. we're going to keep limitations on that and just won't get into it. That's all there is to it. Um, and, and there's, you know, in, in these script, and in these things we're talking about, I'm not even going to be, listen, we're not going to be laying hands on people for the receiving of the Holy Spirit, at least this time around. We're not going to be, uh, we're not even necessarily going to be talking about, you know, how to yield to this in these things, because that's not the purpose of what we're, we're just, we're just building a, a scriptural foundation for the fact that this is a thing, that what the Bible says about it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, now, I want to reference a scripture, some scriptures here, Acts 2, 38 and 39. I just want to pull them up, write them down, look at them later. <clears throat> look what it says. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, next scripture, 39. For the promise is to you and your children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. Every believer. That isn't always going to manifest the same way necessarily, but there are things that come with that. There are things for us that come with that. Amen? And I believe that it's clear enough in Scripture, especially when you look at 1 Corinthians 14, as it goes back and forth between tongues and prophecy, tongues and prophecy. These are things that we can all rightfully desire. In fact, if you look at the beginning, like I just read 1 Corinthians 14, 1, where he says, Pursue or desire earnestly spiritual gifts. And then the whole chapter goes on to talk about tongues and prophecy. We should be able to desire tongues and prophecy. We should. Now, prophecy doesn't mean, yea, verily, thus saith the Lord, this is what you're going to do. That's not what prophecy necessarily is. Can it include that? Sure. But, uh, um, I, I mean, I've never had the Lord say, yea, yea verily, to me. So, um, uh, but I have, I have had prophecy be used. Amen? And so prophecy is, is, is something that we should desire. And, and that's, we're not preaching about that. I'm not teaching about that. But that's a whole, nother, a whole other interesting thing that r really Christians should be well-versed on. Amen? But the gift of the Holy Spirit, the thing that Jesus was talking about to them to go into Jerusalem and wait, praise God, Hallelujah. Those things are available to all people. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. He has provided this for us. So even if you thought, man, he was talking to them when he says you and your children and all who are far off. He said that was just those people. 
even when it, when it gets to this place, it said, as many as the Lord our God will call. That, that is one of those nails in the coffin that you can't ignore. You can't just put this scripture aside and say, it doesn't matter, amen? Praise the Lord. So now, with that, because uh, we, we, we were there, I said that that reflects back to verse 23, uh, reflects back to Acts 2. Let's go ahead and go back to Acts 2. We're going to start in verse 1, read to verse 21. Amen? It says, When the day of Pentecost had, uh, the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Um, you know, again, this is the entrance of the Holy Spirit. Things don't always have to happen this way. If it did, it, you know, if you, if you really corner people that, 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 you know, that they try to, to say that, um, you know, then the whole idea of receiving the Holy Spirit, first we have to go tarry in Jerusalem, and then we're going to have to wait there until it comes upon us, you know, just to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, but that's, we understand that's not, it. this is just the entrance of it. Amen? Of him, I should say, not it, the spirit, but the entrance of the, when I said it, I was really referring to the, the, uh, the action of what happened, amen, not the, not the Holy Spirit, because he is a he, or a him, or it's referred to as him, amen, not that, yeah, you know what I'm saying, I'm not trying to, well, praise the Lord, glory to God, I'm not trying to argue the gender identity of the Holy Spirit, although I, you know, because he is a spirit. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm not not either. I'm just not even touching it. Is what it's <laughs> Praise God. These times we live in, you know, they just, they influence every thought that comes into your head. It's like, can I say that? Can I say that? And, I mean, I know I can say that because I'm gonna, but, uh, you know, I just mean like, <laughs> but uh, praise the Lord. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves as they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with, tongue, with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, I heard something really interesting I had never seen before. Um, and, and for me, the verdict is out on this. Um, there, there, there is some scholars believe that there, there is a very valid point that this does not mean that everybody who was there uh, started speaking in tongues, but only the, the, the 12 apostles were. And the, the reason they go back to it is they, they connect it back the last time that they, you know, they use they. Like if you're, if you're talking about a certain subject and you're talking about that subject and you keep talking about them, you might not always use their name, but then you would go into they or whatever, you know, use the pronouns and, and, and express. And you do that until you change the person you're talking about. And so that's part of the idea. I, I don't know, and I don't really care. I don't think it matters. Uh, but I do believe that uh, it, it's interesting to think about for a at any rate. Um, so they are speaking as other tongues, but look at this. As the Spirit was giving them utterance. Folks, I believe that utterance is so important in everything we do. If we're going to pray, if we're not praying in line with the Holy Spirit, yielded to Him with utterance from the Holy Spirit, we're praying in trouble. If we're not, if we're not like, you know, you can pray for somebody. You know the difference? The difference is this. You go to pray for something because you, you know it's a need somewhere. Yeah. But you, have you ever done that and you just feel like, man, I, I don't even feel like 
this is even going anywhere. This isn't even going. That's because there's no unction there. See, because the Bible tells us that we're, we're called to pray according to the will of the Father. So we need to know what the will of the Father is. Sometimes people come to me and they say, pray, 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 pray. It's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you want me to pray accurately, in other words, in a way that will get answers, don't just ask me to pray. You want me to know that what I'm praying for is the will of God because I can't pray in faith unless I know it's the will of God. Now, there is, uh, you know, some people start talking about, well, there's the general will of God. Yes, there is a general will of God, and our camp preaches that a lot. There's a general will of God, like there's a general will of God that all people are healed. But there are reasons why some people are not healed. And if, if there's a reason, uh, say take a, per, a particular person, say that there's a reason that they're not being healed, then to just pray for their healing isn't going to get them healed. But to, to seek the Lord and get unction and find out what needs to happen to get to the healing might be necessary before that healing ever comes. And so uh, we, and we actually, again, we see this in the life of Jesus. We see him being able to see into the hearts of people. Why? He was full of the Holy Spirit. And this is, what, this is one of the reasons why we're full, filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can know the things that we're to do. Not, not just do them. Like we, we, should, we should pray. I, and I, I've noticed this before. I, I remember this one person. Uh, they weren't a believer, so to speak. They were a believer, but pseudo-believer. Not really. They didn't go to church. You know, they had some kind of religion in their background. Got really sick with a, with a life-threatening disease. And uh, they, they wanted prayer. And I remember I was just filled in that moment. I don't know what it was, but I just, I had unction to pray. And I started praying over them. And, uh, you know, what's funny is that, that disease, uh, I, one of the things I spoke this out of my spirit as I was praying, I said, and so-and-so will not, they will not die. They will live and declare the works of the Lord. I said that out of my spirit. Do you know the very next time I went to the doctor, they got a good report? The very next time. Well, there was a space and time. And one of the things that I always pray for people uh, when I do pray for people is if something bad happens, especially, uh, you know, I, I pray for people's healing. I pray for, uh, you know, when, when something bad has happened to, in the life of, of somebody who believes or whatever, I, I pray for those things. But I, I always pray this. I was like, Lord, like, use this situation, not the, you know, a sickness or whatever. Not, you're not doing it for your glory. I'm not saying that. But use this situation in, in their lives to draw them and bring them closer to you. That's one of the things I almost always pray for people. And because I've realized that if somebody, and we've seen this over the years, we've seen people that have been miraculously, miraculously healed, they've been set free, and now is an opportunity to give glory to God. And what do they do? They turn their back, they go back to living the way they did. And as soon as they do that, it isn't long and you hear the bad report come again. We've seen this time after time after time. What is that? When you, when you walk away from the Lord, when you don't give him the proper glory and credit that he deserves, you don't get to maintain the things that he gives. You don't get the gifts. That's why people are like, well, I don't receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you do? Or, the, you know, I don't, I, I don't get filled with the Spirit. Well, what do you do? To, 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 to put yourself in a position to receive from the Holy Spirit. Do you hunger and thirst? It's just like I was saying about learning and stuff like that. Like if, if you spend no time in your Bible, no time in prayer, you barely show up to church, but then you want all God to answer all these things for you, guess what ain't going to happen? 
It just isn't going to happen. Uh, there, there, there has been so many, I, there's been people that come to me over the years, have asked me to pray, and I pray to be a nice guy. But to be honest with you, I know they're not going to get what, they, what, what, what I prayed for. Yeah. That's a pretty harsh thing. And maybe, you know, but it's hard to tell people sometimes, too, because it's like, listen, and I, I mean, I'm not saying I never have. There's been plenty of people that said, listen, this is the reason you're having this issue, because you're not cleaning up this area in your life. Yeah. Listen, especially if you're covering over sin and stuff like that, that will keep you from the blessing of God. And, and we need to, people need to understand these things. You don't just get to, now that doesn't mean that if, you know, if, if you're going through a trial, it doesn't mean you just try to stir up boogeymen and find out, oh, I must have missed it here and I must have missed it there. Because that's the opposite side of things that has also gotten to good people, good-hearted people in our camps where they're constantly looking for a door that they open. And, you know, sometimes it's just an attack. Sometimes there's just things coming at you. I'm not, you know, you see, there's a lot of things I'm preaching here, a lot of things that we could go into, but we have to understand these things. And so, praise the Lord. But all that because the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, when there, uh, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the sound of the, the rushing mighty wind, right? When this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, this is, this is interesting because there's Jews all around. Whatever, if you think they were in the city, we don't know where they were gathered or how exactly it looked, what, what place they were gathered in. But they were gathered in some area. The sound occurred and it drew people in. And these people came in. And when they came in, these were all Jews. These were not saved men. They did not know Jesus. These were Jews that were outside. And all of a sudden they came. Remember, Jesus came first for the Jews. And then after them for the Gentiles. And we see that, Acts 1 through 10. We see that played out here, as we talked about last week. That Acts 1 through 10 is that. 10 kind of being summed up with the, 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 the Gentiles receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit as well, when the Jews saw that, right? And so, uh, so this outpouring's happening. These people are congregating, are coming around, coming to watch the fire burn, right? Yeah. They're hearing something going on. And they're amazed because as, as, as they come in, now these, these Jews are from all different kinds of nations. So, you know, there might be one from uh, 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 Greece. There might be one from Rome. There one, might be one from uh, Asia. There might be one from, you know, I don't know how far they came from. There might be one from Africa. And so there's all, they all speak different languages, but they're, they're, they're here for whatever reason. They come to the Holy Land. But when they come into the Holy Land, now they're hearing this sound is being translated in their ears or in their spirits or however it was. They're hearing it in their own language. Praise God. This was not that the, 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 the apostles were suddenly gifted with each language and they were speaking in different languages. And it says it right there. It says, uh, uh, and each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are, why are not all these who are speaking Galilean, or why, why are, all the, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And then, of course, it goes on to talk about all the languages. You know, we tried that last week and I failed miserably, so I'm going to not fail this time. Uh, but then down to verse 11, it says, And we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Amen. So they're being witnessed to in their own language. And they all continued in amazement and, and great perplexity, 
saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. And so in other words, they're accusing of being drunk. Why? Because some people weren't hearing languages at all. Some people were hearing sounds that sounded like gobbledygook. They were hearing just random sounds. They were just, they, 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 and, and, and no doubt, the presence of the Holy Spirit, um, you, you know, the manifestation of the Spirit, there was probably, you know, I, I'm not saying there wasn't joy and stuff like that. Some people try to claim this is a good, a good scripture for drunkenness that backs up drunkenness in the Holy Spirit. I completely disagree with that. Um, and I disagree with that. And, and I just say it because I, I believe that that's an, uns uh, to, to, to say it never happens, I would never say that. But to make it a thing, I think, is something that is dangerous ground to walk on. My, my, my personal take on it, you do with it what you want. But uh, uh, when, when we have, what we have here is that they, they're hearing these sounds, and the way that they're hearing them is, is moving on them. And so they're, you know, and so both people were wrong, right? You can see that, or both sides of the argument are wrong. It's not, they weren't necessarily speaking in languages. And uh, uh, not everybody was necessarily speaking. Praise the Lord. But Peter, uh, <clears throat> let me see here. Yes, and I want to refer back because, you know, we're not going to get all the way down to the scriptures I read in, in, in Acts 2, 38, 39. But you cannot take the context of all the stuff that was happening here at the day of Pentecost out of it. So even though you might not necessarily set this up and say, okay, every Holy Ghost service has to look like this, you also can't take the context of what was happening out. You can't just throw it all away, and that's so important. Amen? But then we see Peter stand up. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. I want to draw your attention to those words, but this is what was spoken of. This was not the, the full fulfillment of what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Because some of what was spoken of by the prophet Joel in that section of scripture has yet to be fulfilled. It still hasn't happened. Uh, this was what was spoken, so it's not necessarily the fullness of it. What it's talking about is this is the things that he was talking about. This is what he was speaking about when he was speaking about these things. Amen? And then he goes on to, to, to go into it some. He says, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bondservants, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and vaporous smoke, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That last part is, is, is referencing the end of times when Jesus comes back. And so we know that not all of that has been fulfilled because it's just a short paragraph about the span from Pentecost until the end. But, but the reason that he brings this out is because, see, this is what the outpouring, you expect things happening because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And, uh, and this is exactly what the whole idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, that God comes on his people and fills them up. I believe that one can be baptized over and over and over and over and over again. Now, I'm not talking about water baptism, but what I mean is from the standpoint that you can be saturated, and that you can be saturated, and that you can be saturated. And again, I believe that because the Bible leads us to believe that. When the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, things like that. What is that? You know, filling ourselves up. You see that idea over and over and over through Scripture, especially when you get into the letters to the churches. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so, uh, uh, so we get a taste of, of what was happening there, the entrance of it, but not the end of it. In fact, you never see the end of it. And that's what I love about the, these scriptures. And this, is, again, was where I would argue with cessationists. I'd say, listen, you can say that there's an end of it, but there's just nothing that tells us that. There's nothing that would even lead us to do that. In fact, when you see the churches operating, the only letters that we have, the only instructions that we have to the church and how the church should operate, the church should look, how the church should act, meaning all the epistles, those are all we have, right? We don't have any new books of the Bible. We don't have any new instruction from God, so to speak. We have the same ones that they did. And what are they? They were the letters to the churches, the one that God had put together for all mankind in this age to be able to glean from. And what do you see? You see the Acts of the Apostles. You see them being carried out in these different churches. All of these letters were the churches that they went to and the things that they established. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, all, throughout human history of the last 2,000 years, we can look at history and we can know some things about God just in our history. Look at the history of the church in the last few thousand years. Mighty outpouring of God. Weird things happen. And then all of a sudden, a new denomination is formed or a new way is formed and there's, there's, there's life in the church again. Old churches die off. Churches that have stopped, you know, flowing with the Spirit, stopped being open to, to God, really. They get into their flow, and that's just what they are, and they start dying off, and then you see a, you see a revival. And, there's a re, and the revivals are undeniable. They've happened all over the world. They happened at, at different places, doing all, using all kinds of different people. Miraculous signs and wonders. We don't throw all that stuff out. Some people want to hack that stuff down and throw it out. Listen, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee. If the Bible didn't say it stops, it didn't stop. And if it should have, then God should have said that it stopped. Or if it did, God should have said it would. You don't think with as clear as God was about so many things that if he didn't mean for this to end, he would have been like, you don't think God couldn't foresee these goofy Pentecostals doing their things? Of course he did, because you see that in Scripture too. You see the warning about these things in Scripture, about people acting wrong about this and acting wrong about that. In fact, that's what 1 Corinthians is written to. It's a church that was acting wrong. They were doing things. And spiritually, they were getting goofy. And Paul doesn't reject their spirituality. He doesn't say, stop being spiritual. He says, just get it in line. Get it in order. Think about it right. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's all we want today. We don't want the Holy Ghost. Listen, if, we, if we're going to push the, the acts of the Holy Spirit out of here, out of the church, then we might as well stop praying. We might as well stop coming together in faith. And that's exactly what a lot of churches have done. And that's why a lot of churches die. Praise the Lord. It's just the truth. 
I mean, honestly, look at, look at what I'm talking about. And, and if you can't see the truth in it, then, then have a conversation with me. And maybe you can get me swung over to your side of things. But as I look around, I just see, you know, I see, I see a whole lot of people being ineffective. I see some people being very effective. Yeah. Amen. You know, there's some people that think that the Azusa Street Revival was, uh, this, w w was nuts, nonsense. And to, 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 to lend to their, their side of the argument, the doctrine of the Azusa, if you don't know what that is, it was a major outpouring of the Spirit in 1906, 7, somewhere around there in those years. And, out, uh, and, and there was amazing miracles that had happened and all these different things happened. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, there's eyewitness accounts of all these things that happened. Some people could say that that's not true, but the, the after effects of it were very much like when Jesus was here. The after effects were there was all these people that went out. There was this revival in the church. There was all these hungry denominations it jumped up all of a sudden actually out of the Azusa Street Revival you've heard of the Assemblies of God they came out of the Azusa Street Revival you heard of the Church of God came out of the Azusa Street Revival there's I think there's dozens of denominations that came out of that revival the doctrine in that revival was terrible if somebody was preaching that doctrine today I'd be like yeah it's not good doctrine but there was an outpouring of the Spirit. There was hungry hearts. They were there for the Lord. And out of that came some amazing things. Some of these groups have done some wonderful things uh, in the body of Christ. In fact, I, 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 know, of a, I know of a minister who is a, um, he, he's in our floor, or in our camp or whatever, but he, uh, he goes to a, uh, his home church. He's a traveling minister, but when he's home, his home church is an Assemblies of God church. And they're wonderful people. They do wonderful things. A growing church doing wonderful things for the, uh, for the Lord. Amen? See, it doesn't matter the name. It matters what they do. Yeah. It doesn't matter what name you have on the door. Don't get, don't get proud of the name. Yeah. If there's anything I've learned in life, don't, keep, don't be so proud of the name. Be, name, be proud of the name that you've been given, the name of Jesus. The, you know, the name of Jesus. We carry his name now. Yeah. That's the only name we need. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, 1 Corinthians 14, because we're not done. But, but see, I've already preached through my, my first little while. But on the plus side, I'm not dragging you back out next week. So, uh, so we'll just kind of, you know, finish up. And again, if you have to leave, you know, please feel free to do it. You can tune in later or you can listen on the way home and continue. Whatever you want to do, but just, uh, okay, verse 24. <sighs> Praise God. We'll go through this. But if all prophecy in an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. By the way, I, I told you that that harkens back to Acts and you were wondering where, because when they were sitting there saying, are, are, you know, he said, won't they say, aren't you mad? It literally means out of your mind, which is literally what they thought about these, these people, that they just pinned drunkenness on them because they were like, these people are out of their mind. They're, you know, we don't understand what they're doing. They're out of their mind. And so this is, this is actually relaying to that, is connecting to that. Amen? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever, ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. Um, and, and again, prophecy meaning speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's speaking to people. You know, maybe you just like, you know, maybe you go up to somebody and you just say, you know, it was just on my heart to say this to you or do this. That, that's prophecy. You know, uh, that's simple prophecy, amen? 
The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What does that mean? Well, basically, if you are inspired to go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, the Lord just put it on my heart to say this to you, and maybe they were dealing with something at that very moment, and you say that to them, you don't know, but that thing that you just said to them was confirmation. Uh, I've heard so many times where people have, have said to the Lord, Lord, if, if, if you want me to do such and such, or if you want this or that, you got to send me somebody, and all of a sudden somebody comes through, says something to them, and they're released, and they know exactly, you know, that's happened, I mean, countless numbers of times, many times in this church alone. And so I know that those types of things have happened so many times. have happened in my life many times. And so what is that? We worship God. We're like, oh God, you're truly God. You know, when you're in a moment, like I, I had this moment not too long ago where I was, I got to sit with this, this wonderful minister of God. And, and as I sat with him and talked with him and, and, and we talked about some things, it's like all of a sudden this weight lifted and I realized, man, I've been carrying that for so long and the Lord sent me this person. Glory to God. Um, I mean, it took a while for me to get there, but uh, praise the Lord, we got there. And so that's all that matters. And so I was reinvigorating and that's exactly what that's talking about. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one of you, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation. I'm not breaking all this down. I get it. But you can see that it's here. Has a tongue has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now let me say something about interpretation in tongues. Real quick, I wanna interject this here because this is important for us to know. This will also help settle some of those myths or those wrong ideas in people's heads. Um, if, if I start speaking in a tongue, say I start speaking in Chinese, right? Well, first of all, God ain't gonna have me speak in Chinese if there's nobody Chinese here, right? <laughs> Because that would just be, that would be pointless and foolish, right? Um, no, what's he going to do? If, if, if there's somebody who's Chinese here, he may have me start speaking in Chinese to get to speak to them. And, 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 and so that would be an interpretation, right? But it'd be an interpretation to them, but not to the entire congregation, right? So if there's requirement to have an, you know, if we, if we have a tongue and an interpretation, then what, we, what that means is we don't just need a Chinese interpreter in here or a Spanish interpreter or something else. It means y'all can't understand what it is. And so when there's need for interpretation, it means it's because there's no one that understands it. And that is also woven all through scripture too, and especially in these. If anyone speaks, uh, no, no, I don't want to skip that. Has a tongue, has an interpretation. Look at this. This is so important. Let all things be done for edification. The building up of the church. Yeah. Everything we do, if it's spiritual, will have one purpose, and that's the building up of the body of Christ. Yeah. That's the purpose of it. Yeah. If it's not building up for edification, then it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be in the local church. Yeah. I could come up to you and start praying in tongues all over you, up and down, left and right. <laughs> backwards, forwards. I could come, come out with tongues spitting and sputtering all over you. What's that going to do for you? doesn't do anything. Everybody else could watch it and say, hey, Pastor Jeff is spitting and sputtering all over that person. What's it do? doesn't do anything, right? Yeah. Not unless there's an interpretation because nobody understands. It's not edifying anybody. 
And so th- th- that's what we have to understand. That, that, and that's what Paul, the heart of the Corinthian, uh, the letter to the Corinthians, and especially of this chapter, the heart of Paul to the Corinthians is say, listen, think about your brothers and sisters in Christ first. Think about what the local church needs first. Put the, the needs of others above your own first. Amen? If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or three at the most or at the most or two by two or at the most three and each in turn and one must interpret so again this is tongues interpretation but if there is no interpreter he must look at this keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God and so here we see another difference in tongues if there's no interpreter present no one who can interpret the tongue then I'm going to then let them just keep silent and speak to themselves and God. And that's where we get this idea. You know, not, that's the only place, but that's one of the, the, the foundational things for the idea. He who speaks an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God, as it says in 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 14, what, verse 2 or something like that. Right? So we see speaking to themselves and God. Uh, and then it goes on. Uh, to let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. Again, this is just more about order. Uh, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be exhorted. And the spirit, this is really important here, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, um, somebody can't, you know, there's been people who say, I, I just can't help it. The Lord just came on me and I just had to start prophesying. No, you can control it. Because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, the things that are coming out, you don't. Paul is clearing up the idea that you can, you you just have to do something, that you just lose control. That's not the whole way the Holy Spirit works. When the Holy Spirit starts, uh, when the Holy Spirit starts making people do things, it ceases to be the Holy Spirit. That's just it. That's why I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, like we, we have to be very careful. Now there is encouragement that we want to do. Sometimes, you know, somebody's stuck in a rut and you want to encourage them along things and you, you, you know, you try to hype them up a little bit or encourage them. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes it happens in the church. Sometimes that goes too far in the church too. And so uh, we have to understand that. But, uh, but the Holy Spirit, the subject, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. They can control it. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Wow. As in all the churches of the saints. Now I'm going to skip over these few because it'll just get it open another can of worms that we don't want to get into right now. Perhaps later on we could, but go down to verse 37. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly earnestly to prophesy. And look at this. Do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. God's heart for the local church is experience. Lots of experience. Have great experience in an orderly manner. Oh, man, I'm just telling you. I've heard it said before, and this, this grieves me, and I'll just bring it out because it does. Can I bring this out because it grieves me? People say it's not a good service unless somebody breaks a chair. Well, guess what? I'm just not into that. I think it's, I think it's wholly irresponsible to break a chair. Now, you can dance. 
If you, the Holy Spirit comes on you, you can dance. I don't have any problem with that. If the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can, you, you can get excited. You can go for a run in the Holy You know, you can go for a run in the Holy Spirit. Just don't break my chairs. <laughs> right? I mean, what I'm saying, like, if, if you came over to my house and you got really excited, you're like, man, I'm just so excited and filled with God, glory to God, and you start smashing my furniture, that's going to tick me off. And you know, honestly, as a pastor of a church who, who, who considers constantly the finances of the church and, 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 you know, and, and everything that needs to be taken care of, like if chairs start getting broken in the church, I'm not edified by that. That bothers me. Though these chairs better last a while because I don't want to buy new ones. These chairs are expensive and they ain't getting cheaper. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's being a good steward of God's stuff to say, hey, glory to God, the Holy Spirit came upon me and he just caused me. You know what? Can I give you an example? Back when I was in my party years, back when I was doing things, we used to have this thing, you know, there was this band, don't listen to them, terrible band, uh, but there was this band called Rage Against the Machine. And we turned that band's name and the, the, the feeling of the music and what we turned it into was a, a manifestation of our, our, our then spiritual lives. And so what we would do is we would go get toasted. I mean, we would go get uh, just absolutely zonked out on whatever uh, alcohol, uh, you know, drugs, whatever we could get our hands on. And then we would go rage against the machine and we would find something and we would destroy it. Public stuff. We'd find stuff and destroy it. Oh, this is the life I lived. I, I mean, it was this kind of stuff we did. I mean, tear things apart that taxpayer dollars. Yeah, I was one of those idiots. I did. Repented for it. Um, praise the Lord. And I hope that I've done enough good in life now that we at least cover over some of that stuff. But, but at any rate, that's what we would go rage against. We just be, we were so angry and so filled with angst that we would just go do that. Destruction yeah. does not sound like order. And it doesn't sound like something that God does.